get into reconciliation and more importantly, reconciliation with adult children. And I got this idea because I have a friend who is starting to go through this with their own father and I'll leave their names out to protect them. And in this case, it was a result in part because of a divorce that happened when person X was very young and remarriage happened and things just got really muddled and relationships got really strained. And there were some mistakes made by the father and he has since owned those mistakes and his circumstances have also changed. And so they're in the process of reconciliation. And overall, it's going very well because I think for one, the adult in this instance is admitting fault, but then also person X is just very, has a very forgiving nature and wants a relationship wants to reconnect and wants to reconcile. And so I think those are both important parts. But let's start about talking why it can be so hard to reconcile with adult children. First, what I'd like to say is I really believe in the process of repair. Yeah. A lot of what I do with couples, and I, I think I mentioned to you when we were talking about this before, that I have two families currently that I'm working with in this particular issue. And so I am contacted, you know, often about this. And I think that, again, as kind of a general idea, we all make mistakes. We all screw yeah. up in life. And I think, you know, that's parents and that's adult children. And I really believe families are important. And so if you can have a reconciliation or repair of the relationship, I think it's important. I think the reason it's difficult, though, is there's... When you're growing up, there's this power differential, right? Parents are parents. They're in charge. Kids uh, are not in charge. And, you know, I think if you do that well, as the child gets older, and we're talking later adolescence, you know, they start to have more freedom. Mm -hmm. And we as parents start to, you know, lessen the control we have over their lives. And so I think that what makes it difficult is you still on, on some level have that power differential. And yeah. so it's like two parties coming together where there may be a real or a perceived power differential. Often the parents, you know, want that they want to be in charge. And one of the families I'm working with right now, I think that is the case is that the parents are having trouble giving up. And so it makes it very, very difficult as you know, because the child is now an adult, it makes it difficult as two adults to come together to say, let's talk about what happened. Because it's the parents, I think, who have to give up that power differential. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do that is through behavior, where you're really treating the child more like, I was going to say like a peer. Now, it's not really a peer because they're always your children. Right. But they aren't children typically in your home anymore. And so the relationship is different. And I think mostly parents have a very difficult time giving up that control. And I think one thing too, that can also muddy the waters of that power differential is oftentimes when kids first move out, or maybe in particular, when they're going to college, and this was in my case as well, that 
the parents are often giving some sort of financial support to their adult children. And that was the case with me. I saved up enough money to pay for my entire first semester of college on my own. And then my dad paid for the second. And so to an extent, I was reliant on him. And it's not like he was a very controlling person, but to an extent, he had some say over the way I lived my life in the fact that he had some say over the way I spent money. If I was just going nuts and spending, 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 that would be a problem because he's helping provide for me financially. But at the same time, you have to let adult children make their own choices. And that can be really hard for parents to accept. That's a really tricky situation. I do understand what you're saying. And I believe that, that if, for instance, if I'm giving my child you know, some money for support. And then I see that child go off and do something foolish with it. Then that doesn't make me happy. And I think I have some say, or you can say, listen, if you're going to do this and I'm going to withdraw financial support. But I also think that sometimes, you know, we might give financial support or a parent may give financial support and they do it with some strings attached. And so it's not necessarily the child is is being foolish in how they spend the money. It's just that in return for giving you the money, I would like, you know, the, to do these certain things. I think that's a mistake for parents. I think that yeah. if you're going to support the child, you know, you do it with without strings attached. You do it freely. And if if you don't want to, then you talk about that. I think the problem comes. There are two problems that you brought up with the money. One, if the child isn't spending the money, you know, in a good way. Mm-hmm. But two, if the parent expects, you know, something in return for providing that financial support and we call, you know, having those strings attached. So that is difficult. It really is. Yeah. And in my case, I was pretty responsible in that aspect. But, you know, when it comes to, I guess, this situation where you have a parent who is helping out a child financially a little bit, I think the best way to go about it is say, okay, I will give you X amount and that's it. And that's all you're going to get. So you set the boundary. I'm going to give you X amount at X amount of time and that's it. And if you go, if you blow through it, you blow through it, that's your fault. And you can't just come to me and say, well, I need more. Right. I think that would be a, it's about the boundary. Yeah. You use my favorite word. Uh-huh. <laughs> word in dealing with a couple, well, mostly with families is boundaries. Yeah. And so it, it doesn't, I don't know that it matters necessarily what that boundary is. Yeah. The parent has to be comfortable with it. And I think you talk about it up front. Yeah. And I think that's really a lot of where between it comes to in-laws and extended family or any sort of familial relationship is it's a lack of communication and the fact that you don't talk about it. A lot of frustration is a result of unmet expectations, yes. but, but both parties have to realize and know what the expectations are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got to talk about it first and yeah. set out the boundaries. I think that's a really good way to go about it. Yeah. So when it comes to reconciliating with adult children, Oftentimes, and this probably isn't always the case, but oftentimes it's the parent who has done something wrong. Is that your experience? That's my experience, yes. Actually, with both families I'm dealing with and I'm thinking about the families in the past. And I was thinking about what are the issues? What is it that goes on that causes the rupture in that relationship? And I think 
often what it is, not always, but often parents have a really hard time letting their children grow up and become independent adults. Because you have, let's say, 18 to 20 years of this child being in your your home where you are pretty much telling them what you want them to do, although that gets lost as they get older. And so I think parents have a very tough time letting go. And so I would use the term enmeshed, that Mm -hmm. often parents are too enmeshed. They like that relationship. And for some reason, it I don't know if it's threatening, uh, necessarily, but threatening for the adult for the adult child to become independent for some reason, and often it's the parents who are trying to hold on. Now, you know, since we just got done talking about money, sometimes parents use money as a way to do that, yeah. as a way to keep their child in their control. And so eventually, I think what happens is the resentments build, and the child becomes resentful. And so, uh, you know, it's resentment that builds because the child really isn't allowed to become that independent adult. Often parents will insert themselves into the child's life in such a way that without being invited, they will tell the child what they think they ought to do. You know, you may have a 30 year old child and you're then giving them advice, unsolicited advice. Mm -hmm. I think advice is good. I think as parents, we always get give advice, but I've said several times before that I think we wait to be invited Mm-hmm. into that process because, because then the child is more willing to listen. But if you just go in uninvited, then the child isn't going to listen. I think another issue that causes problem is grandchildren. Yeah. And we see this often where the grandparents, now I'm, I'm, I don't know, this is going to come across maybe as a sexist statement. Often it's the grandmother mm-hmm. who really has some strong feelings about how yeah. those children should be raised. Yeah. Now, this is especially a problem if the father of the children is her son and she's dealing with her daughter-in-law. Yeah. And I've often seen clashes there. You know, often it goes back to unsolicited advice. One of the grandparents is saying, well, do it this way or do it that way. When really you have these adults who have their own children and they want to be parents and they can be parents. And the grandparents think that they still have that type of say. And over time, if you don't work this out, then again, it's the resentments to build. Yeah. And so I think mostly with the with what I have seen in working with families, it's about not letting your adult children really become independent. And then the resentments build, the child gets angry. Often they'll stop talking to the parents. Sometimes they will, you know, make it very difficult for them to see their grandchildren. And so it becomes, you know, in my mind, quite serious rupture in the family. Right. And I am a very, very firm believer of grandparent, grandchild relationships. I think they are wonderful for both parties. Grandkids benefit greatly from interaction with their grandparents and the grandparents benefit. I mean, being around your grandkids, it helps keep you young, especially if you're leaving them in the care of grandparents for a little while. Well, I have strong feelings about this. I take care of my grandkids on Fridays and Mondays. My wife and I see them at least twice a week and often three or four times a week. And it's really one of the greatest joys we both have in our lives is to have that type of connection with our grandchildren. So I really believe that that relationship is important. But I think that the grandparents need to know their place. I was talking to a grandfather today about this. And this is my philosophy. 
if when the, we have the grandparents in our home or we have the grandchildren in our home and then their parents are present, I pull out of the discipline role and the telling them what to do role. And I let the parents take over, even though it's in my home, yeah. because that I really believe that's the way it works. And I'm still a grandparent. I can still be a great grandfather to them. I can play with them. I can interact with them, but I don't have to take that role in that moment. Right. And then when the parents aren't present, then my role changes. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of grandparents have trouble with that. They aren't able to switch between those two different types of roles. And, you know, Mark, it's interesting that you watch your grandkids two oh, yeah. times a week. And mm-hmm. my guess is the reason why that works so well for both parties is you respect the boundaries and the yeah. rules that have been instilled by their parents. And that is crucial. You may yeah. not agree as a grandparent, you may not always agree with the way that your child is parenting their own child, but it doesn't matter. You don't get to have an opinion about that. But you're right. You're right. Unless I, unless I'm asked, right. um, typically, typically my kids wouldn't ask me, but I agree with you. You know, they're the parents, they get to set the expectations. And as a grandparent, that's my job. My job is to follow those expectations. I believe them. Yeah. And hopefully you have as an adult, maybe a little bit of a lax expectation around grandparents because, you know, my girls, they'll often spend a weekend with my mother-in-law, which is beneficial for everyone. The kids Mm -hmm. love it. My mother-in-law and stepfather-in-law love it. Curtis and I love getting the break. It's really good for all parties. And I know that there's going to be lax rules. They're probably going to eat a little more junk food than they normally would. They're definitely going to watch more TV than they normally would when they're at home. And that's just my own personal opinion. To an extent, let the grandparents spoil the grandkids. Right, and that's okay. But again, if my if my children, the parents of my of the grandchildren, have certain expectations, then I really we both Lindy and I try our best to follow those. Right. So. You know, getting back to what what are the reasons that there are ruptures in the relationship, I think often that's what it is. It's very hard for some parents to make that transition to have their adults be independent and parents on their own right. Okay, let's take a quick break and we will be right back. Hi there, my name is Maya Acosta, and I'm the host of the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions podcast, where I explore ways that we can optimize our health. I learned about the field of lifestyle medicine, which uses evidence-based approaches to prevent, halt, and in even some cases, reverse disease. These are lifestyle modalities, such as using certain foods as medicine, using exercise to reverse disease, managing our stress, and even getting adequate sleep. Join me and the amazing people that I get to talk to as I set out to learn how taking better care of ourselves can help us both improve the quality of life and enhance our longevity. Let's get started. Yeah, exactly. And really what it comes down to is I think in those instances of what you're talking about, the parents have to be willing to flex and bend if they really want to reconcile. Oh, absolutely. Yes. So let's talk about maybe something that can be a little bit more complicated in terms of if there's abuse or maybe neglect or maybe abandonment that has happened in the past. And 
maybe the adult is wanting to reconcile with their child and maybe the child is willing to get past that. I would imagine that's a lot more complicated and that that also is going to take a lot more time. And I think the really tricky part with that one is in that instance, it is completely in the hands of the child who has been wronged, especially in cases of abuse. Because if that child is not interested in facilitating a relationship with a parent who has been abused in any way, that child absolutely does not have to. But I mean, let's say that, I don't know, maybe it was just a matter of neglect. And Mm -hmm. in my friend that I was talking about earlier, that was kind of the case. It was a case of not necessarily abusive neglect, but it was more of person X, their dad was forced to to make a decision between his kids with his previous wife and kind of his new family. Mm -hmm. And he owns it. He didn't really make the best choice, but he was also placed in extremely difficult circumstances. So let's talk about maybe a situation like that where, you know, there was kind of maybe some abandonment that went on and how you reconcile through that process. Well, first and foremost, I think what you mentioned about this particular case you're referencing is that the father, the adult father, acknowledged the, yeah. his part and acknowledged what had gone on. And I, I don't think you can move forward at all without that acknowledgement from the parent about mm-hmm. the neglect or the abuse. Now, abuse is a little bit trickier because, say it was, let's say it's sexual abuse. Yeah. Now, often the adult child does want some sort of reconciliation. In my experience, it's pretty rare that that parent is ever going to acknowledge that, that mm. that's what they did. That almost never, ever happens. And so I think reconciliation in that case is almost impossible. And so a, a critical factor is that whatever happened with the parent, whatever the, the parent did, they acknowledge it. They, they go through that forgiveness process, which I think mm-hmm. we've talked about before. I really see forgiveness as almost a social contract, meaning yeah. when, if I've done something to you, I'm going to acknowledge it and I'm going to say, how can I make this up to you? And then the person that I've wronged, in this case, my child then has the choice over time, because I don't think it's immediate, but over time, does that child forgive me or not for what I've done? And it's a choice they get to make, but I don't think they can make that choice Right. Until I've done my part. And I, part of it is the acknowledgement, but it's also, is there anything I can do to make this up to you? And often there's not. Right. But, but even just the offer to say, I acknowledge this wrong and I, not, I acknowledge that it's been difficult for you and I'd like to help you through it. So that is a critical component. Then the next piece is something, again, that we've talked about. The How do you have that communication where you really listen well to each other and understand each other and then the validation and the empathy? Now, this is difficult, well, for both parties. It's I think it's an important part of the reconciliation process because you have to understand, one, what this was like for your child, whatever it was that you did, mm-hmm. what the effect was. And you have to really get to that place of validation and empathy with them. Otherwise, their sense is that you don't get it, that you don't get the seriousness of what it was you did. And I think they really have to feel, the child in this case has to feel like the parent really gets it before they're able to say, okay, we can move on, we can put this behind us. And I don't think you can effectively put anything behind 
you until you've had that particular process where you really feel heard and listened to. Right. I also think it's important for the child to be able to do that with the parent. Yes. That's really tough, though, especially if the parent's the one who's wronged you in some way. But I think it's important that both parties feel heard and listened to. It's not a justification of the re- that the parent did whatever the parent did. It's just an understanding of where they were in their life in that moment. Because there are reasons that we behave the way we do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that in a reconciliation process, it's really important to have that understanding about what drove that particular behavior. I completely agree. And that's one of the things that Person X went through when it came to this reconciliation process is Person X allowed their father to give his side of the story Mm -hmm. and to explain everything that went on and the series of events that led him to make the decisions that he did. And it was incredibly important because it allowed person X to understand and appreciate the difficult situation that their dad had been put in. And that can be incredibly healing because as a child, person X, they don't have the ability to fully comprehend and understand what's going on. All they knew was the abandonment and that hurt and probably the feeling of feeling unwanted. Right. My dad right. didn't my dad didn't want me. My dad abandoned me. And you carry that with you for years and it can be really hard to move past that and it was incredibly healing to hear dad's side of the story and to understand why he made the decisions that he did. And I want listeners to understand that it doesn't make it okay. No. What happened? Yes. But it's an important part of that process of getting the insight. And I think that often what happens with children when something happens in childhood and often neglect or abuse, something like that, they tend, children tend to internalize it. And what that means is they, they say, well, if I could be better or if I could be different, then my father wouldn't treat me this way. And so they lack lack the understanding. This is about the adult. It's not about the kid. And so I think that process of listening to uh, the parent who might have been neglectful is helpful in in changing that narrative yeah. that the child takes with them into a, into adulthood is okay it's this wasn't about me mm-hmm. this was really about my parent and the context in which they were living their lives at the time again it doesn't make it okay it just helps you understand and i help, i think it helps in that reconciliation process and the forgiveness process Right. And as human beings, we want everything in our lives to make sense. Having having a narrative, a cohesive narrative of our lives is very, very important to us because it gives us that sense of control that we absolutely love. And I think that is a very important part of the reconciliation process is having that narrative and right. we, that we understanding. And we hate not knowing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So let's talk for a minute about why it can oftentimes be so much easier for parents to forgive their adult children for what they have done wrong. And I think really what it boils down to is the nature of parenthood and the unconditional love that we have for our children. And as a mom, obviously, I understand that. But 
it changes when your child is an adult and they're responsible for their own actions and their own behaviors. And then they begin to make hurtful decisions. And, you know, I've seen this before where parents get into this cycle of they just keep forgiving their child over and over and over again for wrongs that they keep committing. So let's talk a little bit about that. Is there hope for that? Or do the parents just have to eventually cut ties and set the boundary of no? It's boundaries, yeah. yeah. But I, I agree with you at the outset. It certainly is the role of being a parent, but it's also a maturity level that I think as we get older, I think it's, we really grasp the importance of the relationship is important. And if I have to give in and, and say, you know, I'm sorry, I get it. And, you know, let's move on. That The parent mm-hmm. often is the one making maybe that first gesture towards reconciliation. And so how often or how long do you keep going where you, the child may you know, do something that you have to say, okay, I forgive you for that. Let's move on. I think that you don't put up with it for the rest of your lives. I think yeah. that that's not, that's not good for anyone. It's not good for the adult, the parent, and it's not good for the child. And so again, it's about setting boundaries and right. good boundaries make good relationships. Mm-hmm. And the, because it's the expectations, here's my expectation of you. And if you don't, if you keep you know, not following that expectation, then something, there's going to be a consequence. And I know that sounds harsh and it's a little bit softer in reality when you're dealing with your, your children, but I really believe it. You don't just keep putting up with poor behavior. My parents have been going through this for years with one of my younger brothers and I don't know if he would ever even consider listening to this podcast, but I mean, if he does, well, maybe this is a message he needs to hear anyways. <laughs> but he has repeatedly burned bridges and just over and over squandered every chance that he has been given. And my dad has finally reached a point where he's been able to say, okay, this is too much. I'm enabling you. And I can no longer keep doing this because it enables your bad behavior. My mother, on the other hand, is struggling a whole lot more with it and having a really hard time setting those boundaries. And my brother very seldom talks to my dad anymore, almost never contacts him because my dad has put up the boundaries of, no, I'm not going to allow you to manipulate me. And my mom's having a lot harder time with those boundaries But it's really, really sad because he often manipulates her and can often be emotionally abusive. And it's just a really hard situation. But again, it comes down to your favorite word, boundaries. And eventually you have to realize that you are only enabling your child. And I think that has got to be so hard for parents. Mm -hmm to recognize that line of I am enabling you because they are your child and you love them and you want to help them. But there comes a point when you're not helping them anymore. Yeah, that's true. And so I think boundaries are really important. Being really explicit with the expectations is important. Mm -hmm. And it's just a more mature way to handle that parent-child relationship. Yeah. I think often if there are listeners out there who are contemplating this, Mm-hmm. I really think that having the help of, and I mean, I'm a counselor, so this is what I do. Right. But I think having a third party who is able to guide the 
reconciliation process is really helpful because yeah. I've certainly seen families try to do this. And what happens is it gets out of hand and one, and usually there's an angry outburst mm -hmm. if they're, if you're trying to do it and on your own and it, it's not that helpful. And one of the things that happens by going in to see a therapist is at least that therapist should do this, should maintain control right. over the session. And often just in being in the presence of a third party will change the behavior of both parties. You know, they will, um, they will be calmer. Their words will be different. If if I see someone getting angry, I can help them calm down. I'll stop the process and we'll work on calming down before we go on. Whereas if you're on your own, then that rarely happens. It just, it, the potential for explosion, you know, outbursts in that type of process is pretty high. Yeah. And I think one of the important things when it comes to any talk therapy with any sort of relationship is that therapist or that counselor who is that third party, they're unbiased. And that's a really important component because oftentimes when you're in counseling or therapy of any type, there's wrongs that have been committed. And most of the time you think you're right and you want someone to validate and say, I'm right. I'm the one that's right. And they were wrong. And a therapist can really help separate that emotion and be able to not take those sides. And I think that's an incredibly important part of the process is for someone to maybe get that extra help in recognizing there are two sides to this story and you both have boundaries or you both have things that you need to correct in this behavior. Right. If a family comes to me, then my goal is very specific. My goal is to help them heal yes. in the family. Right. And I can't think of a situation where I'd take one side or another yeah. and I try to be, you try to walk right down the middle of the mm -hmm. family yeah. and try to see both sides and point out both sides. Yep. And, or, or, you know, if you have multiple people then the multiple different uh, ways one can view the issue. And so that, that is your role is not to take sides, but to point out, you know, each part that each party plays because often it's hard to see. And that way you can remain neutral. Yeah. And it's very clear that your job as a therapist in that moment is to help the family, not an individual. Yeah. And I remember going through this process on my own when I was in therapy and talking about a relationship that I struggled with, a familiar relationship. And, you know, as I'm expressing what had happened between me and this family member, and I'm really upset about it. And I was expecting this therapist to validate me and say, oh man, that's so hard and I'm so sorry. And she didn't, <laughs> my therapist didn't. And it, and it was like, oh, okay, maybe there's a reason, you know? I mean, and she helped me to see that there is another side to this story. And that's incredibly important. It's a very, very hard lesson to learn that you are not completely in the right, but it's a really 